for you doing well, love it. Attention, attention, my black brothers. What I want y'all to do right now is take out the do-rag. The silky ties down. I want to see the waves glistening. If you got nappy hair, pick it. Don't let nobody discourage you. Ariel. So currently, right now, what are three emotions that you have felt throughout this week? Oh, um, I have felt um, heartbroken. Mm. I have felt joyful and I have felt centered. Mm. Okay, do you want to dive deeper into those? or Are you curious about the heartbroken one? No, I'm, I'm not curious about that one only, sis. I'm curious about all of them, but I didn't know if you wanted to, like, um, if you felt comfortable, you know, unpacking some. Because some things may be fresh still, and, you know, it's, it may be bringing up some, like, skeleton or something. So I didn't know if there was, like, any, you know. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a very small trauma. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I watched the Apple's Lost Days episode of Avatar The Last Day of Painting. Mm, oh, girl, we're going to get into that. And, uh, and it, it absolutely made me cry. I sat here and actually sobbed. Um, I felt joyful um, about, I don't know, my, well, my gifts are steady, steadily growing. Mm. Although I don't get paid for those, I would love to. Let me speak that. I would love to get some sort of financial gain from these um, damn gifs. Um, but they started to pop again for some random reason. Yeah, because you slayed. I don't know. I feel like I just was carrying joy around this week in a really cool way that yeah. I was having. Oh, I know what it was. I had a conversation with a friend. Um, we FaceTimed on Monday night and it went really well. So really like, oh my God, it was, I was vibrating because it just felt like a good conversation. Like I felt seen um, <laughs> and I ended up feeling really spiritually well. So that sort of yeah. joy from that night made me feel really centered for the rest of the week. Yes, that's good. Um, for me, I definitely feel organized, um, still in this mindset of like cruise control. So I want to say like autopilot, autopilot, and then um, I want to say centered as well. Um, simply, I feel centered now that I'm like back in my own. So just to let you all know, I am back in Maryland. You know, I was back in Ohio for a month, um, but I start, I'm starting to feel more centered here back in my own place starting to have my mind, you know, more focused on certain priorities that I have to take care of, which I'm excited about. Um, organized, I think I'm starting to like be more intentional with organizing my emotions, organizing my like thoughts and just like organizing my life. So I think I'm starting to like practice, you know, journaling and practice like, like I'm reading a book right now, like The Heart of a Buddhist, understanding suffering and transforming it into joy, liberation and peace. So it's something yeah, that's definitely like helping me like start to think about how I'm going about things and like navigating. And then um, autopilot, autopilot is more so like work related. Um, I, there's, when I don't have nothing to look forward to, I think that's my areas coming out. I tend to just get stagnant and just like move just because I need things, things need to get done and not because I have joy. So those currently are the emotions that I'm having um, right now due to like work, personal life and like all of that. So, ooh, but. What is up, everybody? It is your boy, Lord Debrie. And I am Derwin King. And welcome back to another episode of Black Boy Joy, where we create a space where black boys can be themselves and so much more. Hey, we are back. We are back. We are back. Devin, how are ya? 
I feel good. I've had a really good. I'm really excited because uh, we're gonna have a nice extra day for the weekend, which Whoa. gives me some good time. To it's crazy. Rest, but to do whatever the hell I want to do. This was usually the time when um, Memorial, like uh, Black Pride. Oh my this god! Was, oh my god! Yes, it would be Black Pride. Oof. I remember getting the message they were canceling that shit. I, was like, <laughs> I have not got any messages for parties right now. <laughs> so just to let you all know, yeah, it's it's usually um, since it's a long weekend. DC Black Pride always has like all these events during this time. They have like conferences. They have like blind dates, things. I mean, speed dating. Yeah, it's. I usually I forgot about them because I always in my mindset I thought there was only just like parties that went on parties. not actually like organizations have like events they have like mixers they have like speakers and things like that so like last Weren't year we supposed to do those last year i went to the conference last year but i went with um some other people and i got just go over them oh listen i want to try i want to go when when they when it starts again next year i definitely want to go to the conferences because i actually appreciate i did like a blind date and i mean a speed dating thing and it was very interesting because like the older guys, the older guy that was sitting with me never left. So every I didn't get to meet nobody because the people. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> right. hey, excuse me, sir. I was like, this is not efficient. This thing. I'm trying to get the swim. I was like, oh, but continue, continue. You were saying how you were. You were saying all that stuff. I didn't no, no, right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's you. It's this week time of the week, and I was like, the month. Well, this time of the month, this time of the year, and I'm like, wow, we really. Don't have this right now. The whole year is gonna be kaput. It's like it's not. I mean, I don't know. I say that, and then the states open up. <laughs> yeah, um, where we are at, I think I June eighth is supposed to be opening up, quote unquote. I don't know. In Maryland, yeah, Maryland. in PG County, PG County, yeah, it's supposed to be June eighth or June first, whatever the case. I don't believe it. I'm not going out regardless. So, well. <laughs> I say that now, and the reasonable person in me says it, but then, like, I don't know. I'm not a victim of FOMO, like, ever, really. Yeah. But at the same time, being sexually deprived has mm. been very difficult for me. Okay. I get what you're saying, sis. And, like, I, I went, like, last year without having sex, but, yeah. like, now it wasn't a decision. It like wasn't, it was, yeah. I didn't decide to go time without sex. Like, I've done it before, but I'm like, damn, this wasn't even my decision. I'm like, you like, you like, I didn't even choose to shut down. Everything else around me did. <laughs> right. And don't get me wrong, people are hitting me up, and I'm like, look, y'all, y'all don't feel, like, weird about, like, having sex right now? Nope. They definitely don't. I stay down. What y'all gonna do? Wear masks while you, like, having sex? Like, yeah. what is going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, you can always hit up Amazon or you can always hit up, you know, some sex toy shop. Oh, my God. Speaking of Amazon, they have... My friend and I were talking about this toy that, like, pulsates, like, it literally, like... And they don't put on the counter. That's Oh, So it reminds me of the episode, I think it was season four, when Candy was at the restaurant and she was, like, doing, like, like trying out toys at the table, like, just hearing them. And it was on the table, like... And that's when we saw um, what's his name? Todd was in the background. I just seen that or just recapped that episode. No, I didn't know that. Season four, he was in the background when she was at the place with the sex, the restaurant with the sex toy lady, and it was like all over the table. So he was like a stand in for like an extra. Season four, just letting you know. But Wow, I'm going to check for that. Thank you for that. Because I have been, well, you know, I'm not. New, a new thing for me, I've stopped watching reality TV. 
Okay. With the exception of a um, uh, episode of I Am Fix My Life that I watched today, which was a relapse, and I realized it was a relapse. I was like, let me not do this. I mean, I, I, I get it. It's definitely a draining experience. Oh, my God. Like, I was so lost in that shit, I didn't realize. Yeah, it's a, it's a guilty pleasure for me, but it definitely is, oops, it definitely is um, draining. But, ah. Uh, um, I think that's why I stopped, though, because it's it stopped being a pleasure. Yeah. Like, I've, I've adopted the mindset that no pleasure is guilty <laughs> unless it causes harm. Um, mm. So I, like, things that make me happy, I don't call them guilty pleasures, I just call them pleasures. But, like, it stopped making me happy. I think, like, and do you remember that time, like, a couple months ago when I was like, gosh, you get made me feel weird? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember definitely. I, I've been feeling that a lot lately. Like, I don't know, something happened, and I'm noticing that they're just, like, attacking each other for no reason. And, like, that's what their checks are made by. And I just don't, don't want to do that. How do you get I, a check off that? I don't know. I, I don't want to get on my soapbox or anything, but, but... Like, I noticed how our, like, culture absorbs that sort of behavior, yeah. and then we inter- or we um, inflict it on each other. Yeah. We behave those things, or um, perform, that's the word I was looking for. We perform those actions on each other, and then we just be attacking each other, and I just, I kind of want to stop doing it. True, I definitely agree with you on that. I watch it, and it's, to me, it's not as, like, background noise. Like, I, I like, especially if I, since I'm watching Housewives from the beginning, it's definitely something that I watch while I'm doing something else. Like, I just hear chaos in the background and I'm cooking or I'm, like, reading or journaling, which I don't know why I have, like, ratchetry in my background. I guess I was, like, used to hearing, like, hot messes be in the ear of me while I'm doing shit. I mean, we all have been there. Obviously, there's a cult. There is definitely a market for people who love this shit. Yeah. I just, like, I think right now the reason why I feel that the way I do about it and so strongly is because like, I don't know, there's a lot going on. There's toxicity everywhere all yeah. the time. And I'm just like, I kind of need to start weeding this out. True. I mean, I get that. Um, but we have a great episode for everyone today. Um, we are going to dive into this conversation of imposter syndrome. And I think um, the reason I want to talk about this, I recently was watching Insecure um, this season, and we see a lot of that um, happening with some of the characters. I don't want to spoil it too much. Um, so I wanted to also have that conversation with oh, yeah. us and also our in our interpretations or our experiences with imposter syndrome, because I feel like a lot of us have experienced that in our lives. And I wanted to like, you know, unpack that and see um, how we can help each other through that. So this is going to be a great episode. We are still, you know, quarantined down. So we are trying this virtual, you know, this audio video thing. So, you know, we seeing how this works, but we're going to- Is this going to be a spoiler, by the way? Because I haven't, I actually still haven't seen no, it. No, 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 no. It's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be a spoiler, sis. I, okay. it's the, the object, I mean, the theme to me, is that's the thing, but I'm not going to be like, oh, this is blah, 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 blah. So, no, 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 no. I do recommend you watching Insecure and then watching the wind downs. So, it's like after the trailer, after the, like, the credits and after the... Um, I know what the wind down is. Yeah. Oh, you, uh, you don't want to watch... Okay. I don't know what it is. I, I, you know what? I'm going to keep it to myself. Okay. It is. <laughs> Some things we keep to ourselves, but... We have a lot to talk about, so we are going to jump into our Black Boy Joy Spotlight. Devin, Yay. what you got? So today's Black Boy Joy Spotlight goes out to my good friend, Austin. Um, so his uh, moniker is AU, which, mm-hmm. as you guys know, is on the periodic table. It's gold. I actually have never said it out loud before, so I don't actually know if it's gold or if it's just AU. But um, oh. he released a single on, um, I want to say, last Friday 
day is today is the 21st yep. it was a week ago um yeah and it's actually really dope i love it it's called it's okay yeah if you guys want to check them out on instagram um you can find it at au jams um also there was another thing i wanted to find i wanted to note um there's another song that i love called ptlr which means part-time love revelation it's really good about singing in my spare time love that. i need to listen so, to yeah, that one i need to listen check to check it out i recommend you got me listen you know while we love some good music i love some good music so i need to check this out I listen to the one that you had shared um i had listened to that one i don't know if that was ptlr no, that one was It's Okay. Okay, yeah, I listened to that, but I need to check out PTLR because I do like It's Okay. So I'm like, okay, with the black boy Joy, shout out our friends. Yes, please support queer black artists. We love queer black artists. Yes, we do. We are. That's what we're here for, to support each other. So we are going to jump into our hot topics for the week. Uh, we have some juicy things to talk about and then we have some just things that we are like you know enjoying right now and i want to first start off with uh, avatar has not been on i think in 15 years and it is now number one on netflix most watched show yeah and i finished it yesterday you finished it yeah (laughs) i have not finished it so i did not watch um avatar when it was on tv just wasn't something that like stayed in my mind. I don't know. It just was. I wasn't. I didn't think about it. To be honest, the question I have is: Were you watching anime at the time? No. I was really? gonna say because, bitch, if you watched anime and didn't watch that show, I'm gonna be mad because I don't watch anime. Yeah. Avatar. It's it's funny because I have on an anime show right now. Um, anime JoJo's Adventure, JoJo's you know Adventures. I have that shirt on, but no, I didn't watch it because it was it was 15 years ago, right? It was sometime. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I think it was... Oh, girl. Don't ask. Don't let's, get me Yeah, let's research it. But I didn't watch... I wasn't really watching... Um, I wasn't watching Nickelodeon like that for... I was a Disney girl. So, like, it didn't really, like, captivate me. So, now, 15 years later, me being so... Not 15 years. Like, now being in 2020 and now everybody, like, is watching it and everybody's, like, recapping all these, like, um, themes that we see in the show. It really made me, like, consider... Yes watching it because i was like i like anime i like action i like you know shows that actually have like um not like serious series what is it like um one episode and that's the theme i like when shows have things that carry out throughout the season so um it was something i was interested in then also i seen i'm a person if i see a lot of rave about something i do want to check it out not saying i'm a bandwagoner but like i do like check out things that i'm like interested in um, I'm not really on the bandwagon for um, those shows like Love is Blind and shit. So, boom. But Avatar was something I'm still, I'm, I'm interested in. I'm on episode, I think, four or five of season one. And so far, so good. You um, like it? I do like it. I definitely like the story. I like the relationship. I like that it's a show, it's a cartoon, but you are seeing relationships being built through it. That, that is, I think, what really sold me. Yeah. I think that is. I watched... So the way it was is that I was very anti-Avatar when it was out. And I remember I, I was really good friends with somebody who was, like, watching it. Um, I don't know if it was on actively or if it was just, like, reruns or whatever. But yeah. she would watch it. And I was like, what are you watching this shit for? But I sat down and looked at an episode. And I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. Kind of yeah. cute. 
And I was like, oh, shit, I'm at the end of this. And, oh. like, I remember I watched it all the way through to know what happened at the end. Yeah. But, like, I didn't see the entirety of it. So when I watched it this go-around, there were a lot of new things for me. But the, the high points of the show are that it is a really a beautiful story. There are lots of beautiful lessons for children and adults, just, like, reminding us how to treat each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, the really... I always love a, a children's show that touches on, like, how, how to be a human and how human we are. Yeah. So, like, talking about the relationships between the good and evil in all of us and how to deal with stress and how not to, like, blow up on people because you're jealous of some shit. It was, it was kind of dope. Yeah. I like it. I, well, it is kind of dope. It is absolutely the most outstanding program that I think has ever been featured or broadcast on that channel on Nickelodeon. I truly do believe that. Ooh, come on. So I was looking it up. The first episode aired February 21st, 2005, and the final episode aired July 19th, 2008. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I remember, I swear to you, I refused to watch that show when it came out. I think it was just because it was different. And I was just like, I'm not interested. Yeah. But mm. if I had known, girl, my life. I know. I was like, I watch it and I'm like, I like this. I do. I like the action. I love action. I'm a person like, I need things to blow up. I need things to be destroyed. But then I also like character development. So I appreciate what I'm watching so far. I have too many things that I'm watching right now. Like, I even, re- I even revisited Riverdale. <laughs> you know, I love some good, unrealistic drama. Some real, just, this is confusing. How does this add up? In high school, give me high school and some drama, and then throw a little bit of action in there, or some supernatural shit. Bitch, I'm sorry. In that show huh? Don't they be uh, singing in that show sometimes? Singing. And Mimi watches this show, doesn't she? Yeah, I think she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They be singing. I, it threw me off. I was like, "Y'all giving me musical vibes." Okay, I like that too. But yeah, <laughs> shout out to Avatar. Um, it is number one currently on Netflix after its run, and everybody is tweeting about it. Everybody is reacting to it. And there are so many Respect memes. A queen when you see her. Boom! Oh, what is she? What Nini? Okay. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about this, but these reunions, Chad. I know you ain't watched them. Go ahead, girl. Child. So. We're going to go into this real quick. So Housewives, they're on their second reu- second episode, sec- the part two of the reunion. As you all know, it is very virtual right now. It is very, the girls are from their house. And it is the most shade, the most reads that you can think of because they are what in the comfortable, I mean, they're in the comfortability of their own space. So they don't expect nobody to try to comfort them, put their hands on them and things of that nature. And it's very interesting. We're seeing a lot of disagreements of course between uh, Nini and Candy we see some conversations between uh, Candy um, Kenya and Nini we see some interactions between Portia I think Portia was drunk off her Hennessy I'm so sure the whole episode we see that we see Eva trying to regain her peach by just coming for whoever's just in the vicinity even though she is problematic and she is she's problematic and I do believe she's not getting her peach and then we see Cynthia Bailey, who's, who's, I don't know what's wrong with her audio, or if she just did not want to be there, but she is just quiet so far. I think she's going to be done. We have one. We have one more. Um, we have one more. We have part three of the reunion coming up. They bring it back, Yovan, Yo-Yo. Don't know why. And, um, so going to upset Mimi. I will say, I will say, as irritating as it is that Mimi 
always portrays herself as a victim. I think she is right about like there being some sort of like conspiracy via production to get her out of there because they keep setting sis up. I think the story about them telling her not to wear white and then everyone else wearing white was like the done deal for me. Yeah. And because um, did you see this? Did you see the part? He said they heard they would not bring her back. That Joanna was not allowed back on set. True. So for them to bring her to the reunion, even though we really like, here's the thing. What really do we need to know about Snake Eight at this point? It was, that that segment, that part, that was done like seventeen episodes ago. Like and it what? wasn't even interesting. Nothing came of it. It was a huge waste of everybody's time. It was pointless. So I'm just confused on why we're bringing her back. And I do agree with you. Like I seen the screenshot of like Nini was the only person in black, and everybody else was in white. So that kind of did like, damn, this was really like, why did they do that? And of course, um, you know, they have their own little things behind, you know, of course, Nene wants to have more money or whatever. But like, I do, I don't agree with like the, the purposefully targeting her in certain spaces. Now, sometimes she do bring it on herself. I will say that. But I do think there are moments when I'm just like, okay, why did we bring back Yovine? Why we didn't bring back the cookie lady? Why we didn't bring Mark? Why we didn't bring Ty? Oh, they didn't bring the cookie lady on there. No, but they brought back Yovine. You know what? No reason to bring on a cookie lady because Tanya's not even a full cast member. No, she's not. So I just was like, I was just curious about that. But um, they are wrapping up the third. I think Nene is, she's, she's, she walked out of the, she turned her, she's closed her camera like six times. So I think she's probably done. So we're not probably going to see her, but I will report back with you all on the hot tea in Atlanta. Thanks. We appreciate it. We are. Um, next thing we are going to talk about do you want to talk about this one? This is the Lana Del Rey shit that just happened recently. Sure. Let's grab the home. I randomly read it. I saw it pop up. And to sum it up, she was saying that, like, the women who, and she named up, let me see if I get them all, Beyonce, Nicki Minaj, Doja Cat, Ariana Grande, Cardi B. Yeah. Was it, was it when I said that? Them, the, yeah. That's, who, uh, that's, all I, that's, what I, that's all I care about. She said that they were, like, you know, they get on there saying about their bodies and just say sexual and they get number ones. And she like felt like they people were telling her that her music glorified abusive relationships. And like she got a lot of flack about her lyrics, even though these the women are you know being very vulgar or whatever, or just very like sexually expletive, you know, or um, explicit, excuse me. And. I read that and I was like, girl, come on. She fucked up when she named Beyonce. She messed up when she named Beyonce. When she, first of all, she fucked up when she started naming. Let's get into that. True. Name dropping at all. Oh. And then she then she, she came back and was like, I respect all these women. I love all these women. And blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm just saying, like, you know, you guys really are. It's a double standard. But her, my problem with that, first of all, was that, like, why would you bring up all these people to make your point? So, yeah, why would you name drop? What was the what was needed? behind? What did you get out of that? Even bringing them up. You could very well have made your point if you felt like you were, you know, uh, unjustifiably persecuted for your music, for your lyrics. Then you can make that argument on your own without bringing other people into it. It's very childish yeah. and it's stupid. Then. She fucked up because she came back after that to say, I wasn't advocating for, you know, white women. I was advocating for a more delicate personality. What the hell does that mean? Delicate personality. Let's talk. Let's pull that apart, sis. So when you say delicate, you're saying that Beyonce's not. You're saying that Nikki's not. You're saying that Ariana is not. You're saying that Cardi is not. 
So what does delicate personality mean? Because all you really have to offer is bland ass vocals. Now I'm not gonna call them bland. Like they're weird. It's like freaking they're not real vocals. She just gets up there and howls. She like whispers. I like it when I see you. <laughs> I don't know any song, but I do not know anything by her at all. I know she was I, on that song with Car- with the Charlie's Angels, but I don't remember her whispers. I've never streamed a single song from that lady. I have always appreciated her aesthetic. I always thought that her album covers were cute. I thought some of her looks were cute, but that is all the girl was ever good for me. Born. And I only just now heard her sing today and I'm not impressed. So with those microaggressions, delicate, that was obviously, we all know that was very coded language. She was referring to white women. She wants to believe, she wants us to believe she was not, but she absolutely was. She had to throw Ariana in there so it didn't seem racist. Oh, so how about they went through her followers list or her following list and determined that she didn't follow any of the people that she listed there except for Ariana, who was the only white person in the group. Coincidence? Tell me, do you think it is a coincidence? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. Do you think it is a coincidence? I'm not about to call this girl a racist, but I do see a little bit of that ace you know, that little hint of it. So some subliminal things in her. Listen, I don't pay that girl any... She's literally in the same boat as Taylor Swift to me. I don't pay her... She can water so her pussy uh, tastes like water and not Pepsi-Cola. Ooh, that's a lyric. That's a lyric by her, right? Yeah. I never <laughs> refer to her vagina on my own. <laughs> I've never <laughs> tasted my pussy tastes like... Ooh, bro, this is about to... We can't monetize this. We gotta monetize this. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I mean, listen. We can just blank it out. We can blank it out, but listen, I ain't giving that girl any energy. She just shot herself in the foot. She just ended the rest of her career that she didn't even have, in my no, opinion. She'll be fine. I'm pretty sure white people and the black, because I saw some black people caping for her, so she'll be fine. Honestly, like, cancel culture is not a real thing. The only time I ever see people get some people out of here is when they get them fired from their jobs. And once you're a celebrity, you're not. Yeah. Unless you do something really, really horrible, and even sometimes not that, you're not really going to like face yeah. any real consequences. She'll be fine. Mm. Then we're going to transition to something that is actually more important. And Chloe and Halle dropped um, another single from Ungali Hour, which is coming out June 5th. And they're giving us, do it, do it, do it. It's like a. Hey, I was trying to see my body because I wasn't really moving. <laughs> she, they started a little TikTok challenge. You know, they got themselves a little bop going on. So people gave them a lot of people have. I don't know if people just have slept on our girls, but people are saying like, oh, they're starting to put out more grown up music. We are starting. We are starting to see these girls be more mature. I'm glad that Chloe gets to shake her ass, and I'm like. Y'all don't know quality. It was good anyway. It wasn't like, I mean, it was, it was grownish was the only song I can say, oh, wait, and whatever they, that warrior song, I hated that. Warrior hated, um, hated. Yes, I am a warrior. I didn't yeah. <laughs> But it was for a soundtrack for A Wrinkle in Time. So, of course, it was for kids, kind of. And grownish is like for young adults. But yeah. the whole album was sonically great. The kids were all, the kids are all right. Are, it's amazing. It's a masterpiece. Banger. Was a sonic banger. Like you're never gonna convince me that wasn't good music. So if the girls didn't like it, then I don't know what. The even the EP, even the two of us. I think that was with the, the album, the album, the mixtape is. What I think the two, it was called the two of us. Um, I have it on my. I've, so I've listened to it, but it it didn't move me. Okay, I got the way that the kids are all right. Yeah, yeah I think this was their debut album. 
the EP that they did, Love Symphony as well, was, I mean, whatever, Sugar Symphony, that was good as well. But yeah, I think I, I was, I think people have them in this box that they, they I mean, they, they're really not provocative in certain things. Their lyrics are not really like, you know, explicit, like things of that nature. So I think a lot of people were, um, they're seeing, you know, the way that they're dancing, they're actually just putting more, they're becoming more mainstream. I think that's what people are like, yes, we're starting to see them in this light, which I appreciate that people are starting to respect them, but I don't want them to lose their authenticity that I think that, that I was really attracted to, like them, you know, producing their own music, then like, yes. you know, their music just really, like, do it is catchy. I'm going to just say that. Do it is a bop. It's catchy, but it's not like, I don't listen to the, like, mute the song, like, I don't listen to the, 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 the lyrics, like, oh my God. Like, the kids are all right. Hey, this is right sign for that either. Yeah, it's not. And also, the other song that they got was oh. really... Oh. <laughs> I, so, I don't see it for um, that... What's his name? Swaley. I think I that's his name. I think that's musically or like any otherwise. Nope. I know that his news had popped off on the internet and the people were talking about that and like, well, I mean, I'm just not gonna look at him because... I think that that's disrespectful. That's what the people say. So I'm going to follow that. Mm. Um, now I don't know that what the people say. Yeah. But when I listened to the song, I was not impressed. And I kind of wish that they had made that like a, um, what is it, like an extended version. Yeah. <laughs> bonus track. Yeah. I, I prefer them as a bonus so that I can get the rest of my album's worth of songs. Yeah, I'm looking forward to what they put out. Um, I'm also looking forward to just sidebar. I'm listening to Lady Gaga. I'm a pop girl, so I'm actually looking forward to this song that's coming out tomorrow with her and Ariana Grande and also the album that's coming out next week. So that's a soft, that's a soft plug. That's a little plug. But uh, we are done with our hot topics. And um, we... Um, so essentially, we, uh, me and Devin um, bought a book, and we are trying to implement this like book club or this like conversation piece um, during our show. So we uh, both purchased the book All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson, and we actually shouted him out on the show before. Um, and we wanted, to, um, a, mm, mm, ah, we wanted to give him um, the spotlight. Um, we also wanted to, you know, talk about... Um, our thoughts and our opinions on the book and so far so uh, what we enjoy and things of that nature um, but I also just want to say I've seen so many celebrities like take a like grab this book and pick it up and I'm like hold on we do a makeup tutorial the brave I was like no nah, I want to show you guys the bag gorgeous the brave and the bold wait what is that be bold and brave and queer yes um we said, why not dive into this show? I'm not going to say we're going to recap the whole book, but we do want to, you know, give you all our first, um, our our thoughts and our feelings about the first two chapters that we've read and also like the forward and things of that nature. Um, so we wanted to give you all that. We want to support our black boys, our brown, black and brown queer men. We want to support them and things of that nature. So um, first of all, what made you get this book? Let's, I want to talk about that. What made you actually want to pick up and purchase uh, George M. Johnson's book? Um, I wanted to, I, I, again, always going to support queer black artists. Um, and I, you know, one of the things I've enjoyed, the only reason why, um, it was on my radar is because a couple of years ago I saw, you know, um, George M. Johnson's like presence on social media. And I was very pleased with some of his takes. Um, so I, I started to understand that he was using, um, the influence he has as a writer mm really educate people about queer black issues yeah um so you know 
he seemed to be really excited about this book. I think this is his first one. Um, and I was really excited as well. Um, I don't know. I really like uh, anybody, any black man who is specifically going to talk about Jen, um, I think should be heard, right? Especially if it's not like some misogynistic stuff. This is one of the first times, like we've, we've seen black men talk about sexuality. Yeah. But I think the gender part is what I'm really interested about um, and getting into when it yeah. comes to this. And like, so that first story he tells about like being mistaken for a girl um, fresh out the womb. Straight out the womb. Perfect, right? Like I, I love, I did love how he posed that as an analogy yeah. um, for his existence. Um, or Yeah, yeah. So, or metaphor. I don't know. It's one literary term. Or the other. One of those things. <laughs> so that that's a large part. Like the idea that I knew he would be exploring gender in this was yeah. like, yeah, I'm gonna read it. Mm, yeah. So for me, um, I enjoy reading memoirs. I enjoy reading people's personal experiences, certain things. Um, just because it gives me more of a, I like to feel like I'm in people's POV, people's point of view. I like to understand like the way that they were brought or brought up, the way that they uh, move and things of that nature. And I was just uh, wanting to read another. I haven't, I've never read a memoir about a man, you know, growing up black, queer, and gay. Something that just I can like resonate with. I did read um, for Colored Boys. So that was just, just like personal essays and like you know stories and things of that nature. But I've never like read somebody else's. Um, struggles or thoughts or just like their growing up like main like mindset about these things so i was fascinated about that and then i just also uh wanted i seen a lot of support coming in and i wanted to be um supportive as well like i seen um gabrielle union had picked up a book i had seen um a lot of our friends that i've seen um have it so you know shout out to charles he has the book i see a lot of influencers who are like taking the book up and putting it under their reads and i just really appreciate um People, you know, going to bat for him or actually, you know, supporting it. Because, you know, some people, they're just like, oh, let me just like shout it out, but not actually like pick it up. So I wanted to like um, actually have it in hand. And I'm an avid reader. So that's something as well. I just I love to read. I just wanted to add another book to my personal collection, even though I have a shit ton of books already. um, But I definitely, you know, um, enjoy the conversation. First two chapters is um, the first chapter is called Smile. And the second one is uh, Identity. And I really appreciate how he um, brings up, you know, being queer and black and gay and navigating these spaces of like how his smile um, in the book. In the first chapter, we, he tells us that he at age of five, his um, his, he, his teeth got he got beat up and his teeth, his teeth shattered or broke or things of that nature. And he talks about like losing his smile, smile and how uh, us being black men, uh, we're not really taught to smile. To like him, like not being able to smile and hiding behind these insecurities, um, and then also these like old demons in his head, knowing from a from a younger age that he was different, um, was really something I like resonated with. Um, just because, as we all know, growing up, you always are being told to do this or do that, and then he was being told that, but then also he couldn't even smile because of his insecurities with his um, teeth. Was really something that was interesting to me um, to like find out about and just like, dang, like you wanted to smile. But you couldn't really be able to smile because you're a boy. But then you also just really couldn't smile because you just your teeth weren't, you know, perfect, and that also plays a thing. So I was really interested in that, um, that little piece. And then the whole conversation about identity, him figuring out. Um, he goes. He talks about. I'm, let me know if you want to interject because I'm ramble. I'm not. I want to ramble too much. But um, the second chapter, he talks about. Um, he goes by Matthew. Um, but his first name is actually George. So as he goes into this conversation of identity and understanding what name he wants to go by in, in certain spaces, like how identity can like, you know, toy with somebody's own 
um, thoughts and process of that. So I really enjoyed his like experiences and really basically um, was giving us examples of like how his identity, even with his name, was something I was conflicting for him. So I know I um, enjoyed those things from the book. <laughs> I did too. I think um, one of the the things I'd like to get across to the people is that this book is really great for people like um, Gabrielle Union who are raising children who yeah. are on the spectrum, on the LGBTQ spectrum. I don't. I feel like I said spectrum, and that made me feel like I was talking about autism. Yeah, which, which isn't bad. But to be clear, the LGBTQ yeah. um, spectrum under the umbrella. So if you are newly introduced to that community, to our community, and you want to learn more, I think this is a perfect book for that. I also, either in the foreword, he talks about this being a good guide for um, teenagers who are coming into themselves, right? Yeah. And people, children who have not seen versions of themselves out in the world. Mm. I, you know, queer black boys um, who look out in the world and only see straight black men and are experiencing a lot of what the rest of us have experienced, which is um the denial of who we are right like just bullied out of our femininity or um chastised if we cannot get rid of it so i really appreciate that this this book breaks down those experiences for people who may not have have experienced them or may not know that that's what our experiences are like yeah um and and he even talks about like and so to your point about like the story about his teeth one of my favorite parts about that particular part is um he talks about how his trauma informed how he believed that went down, like mm. what he thought their reason was for attacking him. He's like, you know, was it because I was smallest? Was it because I was like the effeminate one? Right. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I would think that would have been my first assumption. And to be as young as he was and thinking about that, that goes to show you that our trauma is, is, you know, inflicted upon us very early in this life. It's not like trauma starts at like 10 or 12 when we hit, or 13, 14 when we hit puberty. If people notice at young ages that we are different, the trauma starts as soon as that happens. And that's from adults and children. And I thought that was, he did a really good job of showing how that informed the way he saw his attack when it happened. Yeah. I really, yeah, I like that story. Seeing at that age of five, like correlating those things of like, oh, I'm, is, it, is it because I'm different or why would they do something? Was I targeted? Like, I definitely um, enjoy that um, that piece. I'm excited to like, you know, I'm looking forward to reading, um, breaking down some more thought themes and things of that nature. Each chapter is based on a certain theme, he said. So at the end of these chapters, he does um, give you like solutions or things that how he navigated these spaces. So I would definitely recommend these to people who would like to, you know, know a little bit more about the LBGTQ plus IA, you know, um, spectrum or um, group. Wow, the group. Wow, the group. For anyone who doesn't know, so the acronym that George M. Johnson uses on, in the book is LGBTQIA+. Plus. For mm. anyone who's wondering what the P stands for or what the QIA+, stands for, Q is queer and questioning. A is ally. I is intersex. Yep. Google it. He tells you to Google it in the book. Um, I think I might be another one too, but as far as I know, it's intersex. Um, you said A is what? I know A when they is ally or asexual. It's also asexual. Yeah, I was like, it was ally or asexual. So sometimes it just fluctuates, but I think it's more so asexual. I Look, personally asexual. Thank you, allies, but like we don't need to put you in the acronym. It's not important. Um, so I'll say it's asexual and then P is pansexual. Yeah. Do not let anyone tell you the P means anything other than pansexual. 
because um, you've got groups that'll tell you it's pedophilia. Um, and the plus, yeah, exactly. Girl, the plus is um, anything else, because you will find that, like, demisexual, right? Demisexual, like, there are a lot yeah. of names for how people describe their sexuality. I recently Sapio. heard homo flexible and yep. hetero flexible, and that makes sense to me, right? Like, you mostly date, if you're homosexual and homo flexible, you mostly date the same sex, but you can date yeah. the, um, the opposite sex and then the opposite for hetero yeah. flexible. Thank you for that note. I didn't realize. Um... Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. What you the, the last part about the homo flexible? I've never heard of that. But like, whatever floats. Oh me, yeah, girl. Do you not know that there are groups out here? Like, I think it's a mom's group or something, trying to convince the world that like the LGBTQ community is trying to like bring pedophilia into normalcy. And like, the only thing I have ever seen LGBTQ people do is advocate for two consenting, two or more consenting adults. Yeah. To have, like, like no one is telling you guys that it re ever, no one is advocating for pedophiles to be like yeah, that's, normalized. That's never been that they do not want children. <laughs> it's never been at the forefront. There's never been mess with a cat, mess with a minor, interact with a minor. There's, that's never been. It's about two consenting adults. It also feeds a really ugly narrative that has been told about us for a really long time. And honestly, this is something I would like to discuss one day is like how people have um, demonized gay people so much that they like told a narrative that we were out to harm their kids. The same reason why the trans um, conversation was like, oh, if you let trans people go into the bathrooms of the gender they identify with, they're going to hurt our children. Mm -hmm. And it's like, do you know how dehumanizing that is? And, like, you stopped. Um, I mean, it was hard for us to be teachers for some time. And, like, there are people who are genuinely great at caring for your kids. Yeah. And because this narrative existed, we were called perverts for so long. Like, that just wasn't happening. And, oh, God, that actually was the one part that I think broke my heart the most. Um, because I think I can only imagine growing up. No, I remember growing up. And knowing that that was something that they were saying about us and internalizing it. And yeah. I was like, oh my God. And like, no, that nobody should internalize something that has nothing to do with them. Yeah, like, I know me, like, I, when I did come out, I felt uncomfortable, like, saying that to my family members and being around my younger, like, cousins and things that, that were men. Because I knew personally, I, already, I knew that wasn't my, my, my lingo, my zhush or anything, but I work with kids. So, like, people know... Yes! my sexuality or knowing I definitely feared for people to be like, oh, I don't want him around or like, I just was very, that I definitely agree with what you're saying in that space. It's uncomfortable for me to even talk about sometimes because that is true, right? Like you would, it, like you, you cannot be around kids without thinking, or at least this was true, you know, back in the day that someone would assume because you're a gay person that that's mm-hmm. something you would do. And it took me a while um, to be like, hey, you know who you are. Right. Like, <laughs> you really don't have to be concerned about what other people say. But but I also have developed really strong rules. Like, don't talk to children if their parents are not around. Or like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or if I've ever worked with children, knowing that, like, for the sake of just protocol, never being, like, alone with a child in your room. Yeah, you I... never want someone to come in yeah. and say something or accuse you of doing something you know you didn't do. So I trying to boundaries. be on a buddy system. Yeah, I always have boundaries. Break. I just knew for my safety, like, she's just, like, not, like, being too, not saying too friendly, but not being too personal. Like, always keeping, like, it professional, keeping it work. Like, I, I have, like, students that will text me right now and be like, hey, Mr. Dev, how are you? And I'm just like, I can't talk to you due to work hours. Like, like, nah, I love you. <laughs> right. It's just, I have, I've, I've even had, I've even had encounters with, 
um, I had to report something to a boss or anything because something was very suspicious. And I was like, I'm not in this. This is not I'm not losing my job over anything that is Correct. so I definitely get that. I see that with a lot of men in certain spaces and queer men, yes. too. Yes, Men, I mean, and, and that's a thing anyway. Because yeah. if we weren't queer, like people already feel sort of hesitant about allowing men around yeah. children. We don't get to be care providers or um, caregivers in the way that women get to be historically. I'm glad I'm starting to see that change. Like as I was going through school, I started to see more and more male teachers who weren't just gym teachers. Yeah. And that was nice. I think that's important. I think it's good for people. I think it's good for children to see that a caregiver can be more than just a woman so that we can start normalizing men being good at taking care of children. Yeah. Cause that's the thing, right? When we develop this culture and told like in, in, uh, implicitly told our society that women take care of children and men don't, that meant that men were not taking active roles in the children's lives. Mm-hmm. But I think as we see, that sort of broadening when we start to see more male um, child care providers and more male teachers, perhaps that'll encourage men to be more involved in their children's emotional and well-being. Yeah, <laughs> they need, we, they, I, don't, I know we got to wrap up real quick, but I definitely need, I definitely want to see more men in these spaces, in education, in spaces with human development, child development. There needs to be a balance. And also I think that yes. there just needs to be visibility um, I'm just saying we just need to be in that space. Um, I know the impact that I have and it's, um, it's unfortunate. I am usually a token in those spaces. Like I'm the only male. I'm like, let's go to Mr. Dev when all the boys, the boys are all like acting up. Let's go to him or like, let's pull in Mr. Dev. And I'm like, I can't speak for the whole male community. So we need to have more of us and we need to also be accepted. That's another thing. We don't, I, I'm, I have no problem pushing the boundary, but I also need us to like not make us have to fight so hard in certain yeah. spaces. When that's not everybody's intention, I understand that there you have to filter and be, you know, but like you are you're missing out on something when there's a assumption or a pretext over a whole whatever. So we're gonna take a quick break um so that we can collect ourselves and we are gonna go into the topic of imposter syndrome. So yeah. So we are back. We had to take a quick break to get everybody some water, get everybody to take a break. We had to, you know, freshen ourselves up. But we wanted to come back and wanted to spend this time after the break specifically talking about the topic and theme of today's episode, which is imposter syndrome. So I'm going to give you the definition of imposter syndrome just so that we have clarity and understanding of what it is. Then also, again, refresh why I wanted to talk about it. So before before you go. I also wanted to let you guys know that um, oh, yeah. Austin's Instagram is I um, am Austin J. And then it's actually AU underscore jams on Twitter. Mm. Thank you for that. We are, we correct each other. You know, we, we make sure we give y'all the right tea, and the right resources. So um, going into the topic of imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome, this is also known as imposter phenomenon, imposterism, fraud syndrome, or the imposter experience. It is a psychological pattern in which one doubts one's accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. So um, I wanted to talk about this because I've really seen a great example of this in the most recent season, uh, season four of Insecure. Shout out to Issa for actually being renewed for season five. Um, we see... Um, Issa, I don't want to spoil it, but Issa um, is creating a block party in Inglewood. We are seeing her um, experiences with creating this um, event, and it really shed light on um, 
the experiences of one feeling, you know, like a fraud or feeling like they can't really put on a big, a big or grand thing. So I wanted to talk about that in this episode, um, just because I feel like we've had experiences, me personally, I've had experiences with it. And I wanted to like have that conversation on the show. So uh, Devin, first starting off after hearing the definition and like, you know, taking some time to think of, you know, your own experience or looking back, have you ever had a moment or a time where you felt like you didn't experience imposter syndrome? I think I lived like the first 24 of my 25 years in imposter syndrome. Like I would, no matter what I did, I didn't think that it was enough. Or I thought like, I don't know. It's like, you think that there's like glamour or there's like something you're doing to like, you know, hypnotize people into telling you that what you're doing is good versus it actually being good and you're like damn one day like this shit this magic gonna run out and people gonna see me for what i really am i don't know i don't know why it was a thing for me i i have a couple of guesses but i have absolutely felt that in a loop for the first um 24 years of my life Mm, um you know me too i'm still i'm still in this phase of imposter syndrome internally um i always believe it's luck I'm someone that's like, oh, that just happened out of luck. Oh, I wasn't really supposed to get this job or I really wasn't supposed to secure this bag or something. I um, I think of it all as something that was like, it fell into my lap. It wasn't something I like worked hard for or planned for. Yes. I think that allows me to, A, not, you know, be so cocky or something, but it also makes me think less of myself. So it's like twofold. It's like, oh, I don't want to brag about something, but then also I'm like, damn, I'm pushing myself into this space where I can't be happy that I've completed something and give myself credit. And if I want to just be real, and I think I've talked about this before, this podcast was something that I feel like I had imposter syndrome with, was really, do I have the capability to create a podcast that people will actually listen to? Or do I have the ability to to continue something? And there's been moments to be transparent where I internally gave up um and that was because i did not think oh i was supposed to be doing this or things of that nature um so this was a specific moment with this show to be as transparent where i thought that i was being a fraud i was doing something that i shouldn't have been doing and it being successful wasn't because of me it was because of, oh i had people on the show or oh i you know have friends that have shared it or oh i have you know, Devin is a part of the show. And if he didn't be a part of the show, we wouldn't really be. I had a lot of these internalized um, conversations where it, it really like I sabotaged myself. And we talked about that in, you know, in the past, but it really was something um, that I really was like, ooh, I don't know if this is, I'm, there's, it, there's always in a moment in the back of my head, like my luck is going to run out. Mm. Oh, this is I, this is my path. This is my baby. This it's always like something's going to happen, and you're going to get what you deserve. So I think um, yeah. I've always felt that way about acting, um, and I think, and I remember when it finally hit me that I felt that way. Um, I was in college, and um, I actually so I had taken I think a year off of. Um, acting because I was just like um, there's no way I'm gonna have like a sustainable career in this um which was a foolish a foolish thought yeah um <laughs> I did a show and 
everyone was like, wow, you did so well. Da, 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 da. And I was like, these people are just saying that to me. Like, they're just saying that because it's the polite thing to say. And I figured, like, people like me. I'm a likable person. So people yep. tell likable people what they think they want to hear. And I told myself that narrative because of the feedback I got from my show. And I remember um, getting into, getting out of college, graduating, and doing theater in real life. And people were saying, you, you're doing really, like, you did really well. And I was like, I mean, all the mistakes I made I'm like I'm really like not a talented person but because I'm like I don't know charismatic people want to tell me that I am and then I watched myself do something like I I recorded or something and I was like oh I'm not that bad I'm actually good at or the, and then like the one moment that I realized I needed to unlearn that behavior was a moment on stage. I realized that I had like I was given like the, the narrator of a show. I was given that role. So my job at this point is to captivate the audience. And I realized how electrified I felt on stage and that like people's heads were turning when I walked on onto the stage. And I was like, bitch, oh my God. Like, okay, all right, I, I'm a talented individual. Um, so I think I'm that like, bitch. I mean, you you really have to you have to determine number one that like people, or at least I have to determine number one that people aren't just telling me what I want to hear all the time, and like people will tell me if I'm not like good at something. They yeah. do. Um, and then number two, I had to trust myself. Like I had to to believe that like if I put the time and effort into something and a good result was yielded, then that's enough evidence I need. That's all that need. like, and nobody cares about my feelings that much to like lie to me and tell me that yeah. something is good when it isn't. And if I was waiting on that to feel valid, that was a problem in the first place. Yeah. I wanted to also um, plug this website. I mean, this article that I want um, to like, you know, talk to you throughout the show just to help like with the flow. Um, so there's an article that's three questions to ask yourself to overcome imposter syndrome. And it's by a, uh, the author, I believe it's a woman. Her name is Kanika Mahdi. I please I apologize if I butchered it, but um, it definitely talks about um, addressing imposter syndrome and how damaging it is to your confidence, balance, and emotional strength. And there are three questions that we should ask ourselves to overcome imposter syndrome. So the first one is, do I feel sufficient? Do I have sufficient knowledge and understanding of my work? Um, well, sorry, Ooh, take two. Do I have sufficient, sufficient knowledge and understanding of my area to work well in a job aside. So essentially, am I actually good or do I have the resources or tools or capacity to achieve this goal of success? I think um, it's me mentally thinking about like, A, is this something I'm passionate about? Is this something that I don't, I genuinely in my heart and in my soul want to achieve and have an end goal? I think, having that first conversation. Hey, do you have the resources and knowledge? Did you go to school? Talk, did you go to school for this? Did you know, do your extensive research for you with acting? Did you practice every night? Did you watch every show with your favorite actor or actress or whoever in it to perfect it? I think we need to look at that first. You know, we need to look at, first of all, do I have the resources? And if I do have the resources, why am I, you know, putting myself down? I think a lot of us, we put ourselves down to cushion the blow if mm-hmm. it does not go 
according to plan. I think yeah. we have been trained or conditioned to never expect, always have a plan A through Z. Never believe that your first choice is going to be the right choice. And yeah. I think that we've been conditioned to process our things as we need to have backup plans. Granted, there are moments when you need to have a backup plan, but it's not to give up on your first plan. I think yeah. I need us to really, really differentiate that. And I think that sometimes we, we, um, we get into that mindset. Even with our parents, I think that was the first interaction I had was when my parents are traditional. They worked you know, in jobs that they didn't care for. They just knew they needed to survive. And when I told them that, like, I had an example of me saying, I didn't want to play basketball anymore. I wanted to run track. And they were like, are you sure? It, are, are you going to completely give up? Are you going to try to do both? Are you like, you know, do you really think that that was something? And it started to make me think like, damn, like, am I really good at track or should right. I have something in my backup? You know, we had these conversations in our life, you know, especially with people that have parents that are very like strict. Like, you know, you're going to college, you're going to be a doctor. If you're not a doctor, you ain't shit, you know? So it's really like these, 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 these things in our heads. Um, that have like triggered us to really think that. Um, the second question is, am I making a positive difference in my work, utilizing what I know, and is this visible in my contribution? So is there any positive difference in my life for me investing or putting my energy into this product that I'm really passionate about? Is there more joy than pain coming from me giving my all to this thing? Mm. That's and a good question. You have to think about that because sometimes we don't want to bring things into our lives that is very negative and draining if we don't have the work. You know, like if my goal is not to be a makeup artist, I'm not about to be a makeup artist. I'm not going to put myself in there and put all this work in that I don't really feel passionate about and I'm losing money when I can get into something that I like, feel as a, a passion that I'm like, okay, I know I'm putting my money into this. I see the end goal. I'm happy, all of that stuff. So I think really being intentional about that and then also, um, is this the real, is the real reason why I feel like I cheat related to my performance or abilities? Is it really you understanding or is it just my internal insecurities? So let me repeat that. Is the real reason why I feel like I cheat or fraud related to my performance or abilities or is it just my internal insecurities? So you have to really differentiate. Am I not good at this or is it me telling myself I'm not good at this? Well, I think it's hard because imposter syndrome really does um, affect the way that you view your, um, your not necessarily your productivity, but your capabilities. Mm -hmm. So or your performance. Yeah. So I remember um, I said this out loud to my my therapist, um, and when I read it in the article that I read about um, imposter syndrome, I was like, oh, that makes sense. It was like I remember saying, I don't know how to accurately measure my like performance. I don't know how to say, like, I don't know whether what I'm doing is good or not. I could never look at my work or I was having a hard time looking at my work and saying like, this is good. But to your second, I think your point number two, mm -hmm. I also didn't want to be doing the work that I was doing. Mm -hmm. So it made me feel like no matter what I did, when, when I did something that yielded good results, I was like, well, I didn't even like doing this. So I might have, I must have just stumbled upon, you know, the right answer or stumbled upon good work because I can tell you right now, I'm not passionate about this work. I don't care anything about this work and things turned out well. So what does that mean? Does that mean like somehow I stumbled onto the right thing or am I really actually capable? I don't know. Yeah. 
So good. That those are those are very accurate. I can definitely pinpoint times in my life when both of those questions were not answered well. And I, I think that's it's. I think it also goes to who you surround yourself around, and also how strong you're you are in yourself. I think that's another thing that we need to think about and understand and process. Like when these things were told to me, I don't think I was in love with myself or was really acknowledgeable of the feats or the skills that I had under my belt. So it was very interesting to hear these things. And then I'm like, oh, I'm easily vulnerable. To, like I'm not, I was weak to believe it and then still have it ingrained in me. And I think once you start to have a somewhat of a self-confidence and then also start to actually, you know, know who you are and know what your worth is. I think um, imposter syndrome is something that you can overcome. And it's something that, like, you know, I think it's definitely who you have and who you have around as well. I think, like, when you have people that are cheerleaders for you or, like, bitch, this is what you do, this is your thing, like, I think it also helps. I think for me, um, I know how passionate you are about acting. I know that I've seen the work that you put into it. So it's never something that, like, if you ever, like, started to doubt yourself about it, I would be like, girl, let me pull out your receipts. Let me, let me pull out. We not about to have this over here. So I think it's about really knowing. I'm gonna tell you your worth, but I need you to also believe it as well. And yeah. it's gonna. It's something that's a pattern. Like I'm gonna need you to get cocky with it. I'm gonna need you to be like, oh no, I'm the shit. Well, that's the thing, right? Like the day that I figured out I was the shit, I was like, damn, nigga, you've been doing this for like ten years. Right. <laughs> like. Damn, like I've been doing, I've been, and granted, like, and I used to not count middle, uh, high school. I used to not count high school, but like that was where the foundation was laid. Like that was when I, I learned discipline. Like, and it wasn't until I got into the real world and started to realize that a lot of what I was doing and a lot of how I was behaving was because I learned it in high school. So I was like, I've been doing this since 2009. It's been 10 years that I have been acting. And like, I'm going to account for every single one of those years because every single year I learned something new. I developed my skill and I was dead ass serious about it. I think one thing that happens too is that we give ourselves these goals and when we don't meet these goals in that timeline, that's when our imposter syndrome starts to kick in as well. I think it's when you have the goal and you don't, when you don't attain it in the time frame that you have, you uh-huh. start to feel like, why did I wait, wait, wait? Why did I jump into this? Why did I think I could really do this? But it's really, we need to understand the, the process and the time. I'm going to let you say something. It's fair, right? Because I my my reasoning, I was like, people were saying, you're a really good actor. And I'm like, I'm not. I mean, if I were that good, man, I'd be like on Broadway right now. Or I'd be like <laughs> be in a feature film. But first of all, bitch, if I were to be on a feature film or on Broadway, I would have had to go to an audition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was step number one, right? Like my lofty goal was that I would just be sitting around one day and someone would be like, hey, you're you a talented actor come be in this thing, right? Like, I believed that if I was so good, if I was so good, I would be excellent, I would be perfect, and that excellent would just, excellence would beam out of me, yeah. and people would see it just from looking at me and decide my fate, that they would decide that I needed to be where I wanted to be. Because we've, thought, heard, we've heard of that, though. We've heard of people being, like, picked up off the street and became supermodels. We've heard yeah. that people, they see this person, and we're like, you're going to be a star, and we're going to, tr- we're going to coddle you, we're going to nurture you. We've we seen, we, see, we saw that it was obtainable to just live your life, and people, you just, it, it's luck, you know? You just so happened to be that next thing, or, you know, we hear about it. So I think it's, not unrealistic, but it's 
something that we also need to be like, but there's but there's people that have worked, you know, have went to countless, yeah. you know, countless it's, lofty. it's a lofty goal. <laughs> right. I'm like, I, I want to be the one that you just picked up, you know, and they're like, you found me and I was like, oh, like, you know, a star's born. He found her in the club. Next thing you know, I'm thinking about the one with Lady Gaga. Next thing you know, she over sinking hits. She getting Grammys. Like, we see it. So I think that's, I understand that that happens, but also remembering that there is this side where people work blood, sweat, and tears to get where they're at. And they had to do some things, strange things for some change, or they had to take up those roles that they really didn't really look back at. I think, you know, Halle Berry did not really want to do Monster Ball. I think she was really not in that. She didn't want to do that, but... You know, there's roles that you do to get exposure. And then, you know, you always hear about that breakout. This was the thing that really, like, boom, catapulted them. So I think really understanding um, that and that at help. But I think it's definitely our confidence. I think it's restructuring what we think of ourselves. I think me, I think I, I just started, for example, journaling positive things as well. I think I was... I started to journal. I was always writing about like all these negative things about how I'm exhausted and how um, basically changing my framework, my, my mindset. And I started to write down, I had a prop that was like, okay, what brought you joy today? And I was like, why did I never think of writing about joy? Why did I think me getting a journal was for me to throw up all of my negative insecurities yeah. on paper, on paper yeah. where I could see this over and over yeah. Instead of me writing things that are happy and things that I'm really proud of, and I see that over and over. Like, why? Well, was I think. When, and well, because to be fair, yeah. the journal is for you to get your thoughts out, and if your thoughts happen to be negative, at least you can see that. Like, you can see it that pattern in your in your notebook, right? You can yeah. be like, okay, well, all I do is write. I looked at mine the other day when I was in a depression, um, or looking at some of the entries I made when I was in yeah. a depression. I was like, damn, you one sad bitch. What the hell? <laughs> I'm I told, like, did I, you ever talk about anything that is not despair? Like, Jesus. I told my friend today, I said, if you, if I ever, like, leave this somewhere and somebody, like, and I left this somewhere and it was, like, found, they will be like, is he okay? Girl, like, I write that shit knowing. Somebody might find that bitch. And I'm like, well, I guess they're going to know what was going on in my brain when I wrote the shit. I mean, I'm okay with it. As long yeah. as y'all know. I, I went lying when I said I was depressed. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like I was thinking, it's about the balance. It's about, I think, the first step in starting to build a healthier self or a healthier mindset of yourself is giving yourself balance where, yes, you are writing the shit that's when it's real, you know, I am at this low ass place, but then also write about how you're at this high ass place. I think we, we sell ourselves short. And I think it's unfortunate it's because of society has told us not to be cocky or brag. Like we've been ingrained, like, Oh, don't be humble. Like, like sit down be humble. But it's like, yes. But like, if I work blood, sweat and tears, or if I put in the work, like, for example, Issa Rae. Issa, she, she, she created a festival. I got to bring, she created a festival in Inglewood, California. And it was, it was big. And she it got the vendor. She to- asked for the help she needed. Because help, that's the other thing. We think we have to do it by ourselves. This, this, that point yeah. was brought home for me when I was watching Avatar. Uncle Iroh told Toph, um, you don't, you guys can't, you guys, you young people think you have to do everything on your own. It's okay to ask for help. 
And I think when you think, oh, this is a huge thing and I'm going to have to, in order for me to do it and be considered great, I need to do it on my own. And you start to think if you ask anybody else for help, there's no way you can be given credit for doing the work. Yeah. That's crazy. Cause it's like, you think, oh, I got to go through the dirt. I got to go through mud because it feels better when I come out on top. But we have to realize that networking is going through the grit, going through the mud. You know, you might get no's, you might get guesses, you might get nothing at all. But like, recently, oh wow, you saying that? Ooh, Devin made me think about like we think we're supposed to put all this on our back. Yes, like, oh, I got to. I can't ask for help. But how do I get to this thing if I don't have the resource? You know, like you might like. I don't want to spoil it, but like. I will just say it. Issa had to ask somebody because there was a last minute person that. Oh no! I saw that part. Okay. Right here. There was a last minute musical guest that backed out, and Issa was like, "It was the day. I think it was like the two days before, or some. It was a short term, and she like, fuck, like, who do I? What do I do? She used. She reached out to her resource that she knew a connect that could do. You know, boom, 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 and it made it work. You know, you it made it work, and then also throughout the episode. You don't ever see her pat herself on the back. No. I want to I want to that. She stressed out. And I think we always do that, right? When it is happening, we are on 10. We are like, oh, I got to I got to do this. I got to but we're never like this is uh, it's, it's it's happening. It's there. I it's I it's out of my control. We've never done it. We're like more on a frantic thing. Like I know people when I did fashion shows in college, they would be like, we got to take shots. We got to be fucked up to like let our stress go because we are going to be running and, but. Oh, yeah. look, I can't do that, child. No, don't let me take a shot before I perform, child. I'll be all <laughs> Oh, no, acting, uh-uh. You can't take a shot before acting. Unless you're, ca- I mean, no, I mean, not on stage at least. I don't know what they do on camera, child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I de- yeah, def- you, you bringing that up made me definitely think about like, you don't have to go through it alone. That is a tip that we need people to understand that it is okay to have some some cheerleaders and also have some support. You you don't know everything. And if you think you know everything, you gotta work on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to actually, there's an article that I'm trying to actually pull up that's saying there's five type the five types of imposter syndrome. And how oh, that's cool. I didn't know there were types. I didn't know there was types either, you know. I want while you're looking for it, I wanted to yeah. say that you you said something that reminded me of the conversation that I had earlier this week with my friend um, that made me so happy about, you know, the about the no's and the yeses and about asking people for um, when you're asking people for help. He said, um, they said, uh, <laughs> you ask people for things or you ask them for help. And then you make sure to tell them, hey, if you need to tell me no or want to tell me no, please just do it so I can ask somebody else. Like, it's like not taking the yeses or the noes too personally, right? But remembering that you have a goal and you're just really trying to see if there's someone who can assist you. It's okay to ask for that help. And then when you ask for that help, making sure that because it's a part of the process, you don't let anyone stop you in your mm-hmm. process. Even if, because if, they love you too much to say no, even though they have to say no, make sure that they know. Like you, you, you need to let me give me the information so I can move forward. I didn't want to say no again. <laughs> I almost said it like three times. <laughs> you said I don't want to say that word again, but you know, no is. I don't think I'm going to be able to pull up the article. It's 
that it's not really allowing it to happen right now. So I'm kind of like really bummed out because I was, was really right. wanting to know what these quote unquote um, five types of imposter syndrome are. And I mean, I see perfectionism. I see perfectionism. That's a large part of what it is, though. Like, I know mine was like, if it's not perfect, it's not good. And people just don't see the imperfections. But the moment they see one imperfection, they're going to know I'm a phony. I used to feel that way about makeup. You know what I did? Yeah. I used to make, I used to do makeup looks. I'd take a picture of, I'd take pictures of them. I would look at the pictures and I would be repulsed. I would be like, this is the worst thing I have ever seen. This is terrible. And I would post it anyway because I spent all the time like doing it. So I just post it. Yeah, you like, like get it out the way. Yeah. Well, I went back to look at some of those pictures or some of those videos and I was like, oh, this is really good. And I was like, I remember when I did this, I thought it was terrible. So what? happens what like you condition yourself like that's that's the thing is when you condition yourself to believe you're so much of an imposter that the moment you finish with a project you hate it that's some scary stuff mm. that's really really scary <laughs> that is that's like ooh, I've, I've done that i'm like i'm i'm my own worst judge so if i have to send out so i hate turning in things that have to be reviewed or critiqued because i'm already like this shit is trash. I start off saying, this is a draft. This is, I need feedback. I'm never someone that's confident in my work because I'm like, if you t- if you tell me one thing is wrong, I'm going to be like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. Not good. You know, it's, 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 it's that, um, which is a problem. So I found an article. So the first type, like I said, is the perfectionist. Perfectionism and imposter syndrome go hand in hand. Think about it. Perfectionists set excessively high goals for themselves. When they fail to reach a goal, they experience major self-doubt and worry about measuring up. Yeah. Okay? So what you can do is says is to learn to take your mistakes in strides, viewing them as a natural part of the process. In addition, I started to do that. Hmm? Oh. I started to do that. Yeah. In addition, push yourself to act before you're ready, which I was like. Okay, so it says force yourself to start the project you've been planning for months. Truth is, there will never be the perfect time, and you will, and your work will never be a hundred percent flawless. The I don't want to do that. Huh? I don't want to do that. I'm scared. I know, but the sooner you're able to accept that, the better off you will be. So just learning that everything is not perfect. I need to take this as well. I'm a perfectionist. Everything is not perfect. Okay. The number two. It's the Superman slash woman. Since people who experience this phenomenon are convinced that phony, uh, phonies amongst real deal colleagues, funny, they're, ooh. my grammar, girl, my grammar. Okay. Since people who experience this phenomenon are convinced they're phonies amongst real deal colleagues, they often push themselves to work harder and um, harder to measure up. A false cover up for their insecurities and the work overload may harm not only their mental health, but also their relationships with others. Last year, that was definitely my last job. And I I definitely did that. It was to the point where my coworkers had to be like, you like... You're like the like they were like I had become the standard. I had no idea I was the standard because I was like, damn, I'm doing really badly. And then yeah. they're like, oh, 
I, I'm like that with my job. My job is like, you know, you're the, your standout. You know that you, I'm like, I didn't know. I'm over here just like working like a bone, working to the bone. Oh, yeah. So you sick. sick in the head. I'm sick. And it's like, I, I knew I was drained. Like my job, they asked me like, we, what do you need from us there? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know how to ask for help. Wow. I'm not used to being in a space where I off, I need like, hey, I need your assistance. Because it comes off weak. It comes like you don't know what you're doing. So I would rather struggle mentally than to ask for help. So that's something I'm, I'm working on and I learned, I, I'm doing that this week, okay? So it says, as you become more tuned to internal validation and able to nurture your inner confidence that states you're competent and skilled, you'll be able to ease off the gas as you gauge how much work is reasonable. Yes. Oh, but you know what the problem with that is, is that thinking you have to do any amount of work less than what you were doing might make you feel guilty. Like, at least that's how I felt. Like, if I do anything less than what I'm doing when I'm doing too much, I'm like, damn, I'm not doing enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This one, the next one is the natural genius. Young says, so this is based off of, I'm sorry, I did not say who the person was that wrote this. It is a Dr. Valerie Young. So this is their interpretation of um, the, the, the signs of imposter syndrome, the five types. So it says, Young says, people with this competence type of the natural genius believe they need to be natural genius. As such, they judge their competence-based ease and speed as opposed to their um, efforts. In other words, if they take a long time to master something, they feel shame. So oh. it's taken me forever to figure out why Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a motherfucking pail of water, I'm stupid. You know how many things I've quit because of that? Because I'm like, it takes, and I'm like, it's taking me too much work to do this. I must not be good at it. I, I'm bad. YouTube, me, all day. I did not think I was competent enough to be doing this. I'm over here like, am I messing up? Is, why is this complicated? I'm seeing people make this a job. I felt incompetent. And thus, mm -hmm. I walked away from it. Mm -hmm. um, Hmm. Is to move past this, try seeing yourself as a work in progress. Accomplishing great things involves lifelong learning and skill building for everyone, even the most confident people. So I, I, like think, I think the theme is going to be, it is okay to make mistakes. I think just to sum it up, that is, we need to be okay with making mistakes. Not easy. Make, allowing yourself to make mistakes is not easy. It's, it's, if you've not allowed yourself to historically, then it isn't. And honestly... I, I see imposter syndrome in women a lot, and I see it in um, queer people a lot. It's people who have been told that they don't deserve to be in certain spaces and people who felt like they've had to work extra hard. Minorities, are, I believe, are more likely to experience imposter syndrome than anybody else. And what's funny about that, what's funny, Michelle Obama said this too, is that you'll find that people who feel like they should be in the room are typically the actual imposters who have very little to contribute to the like progression of the tables they're sitting at. Yeah. Meanwhile, you are worried and you are the most qualified person in the room. It's the mindset. It's what we've been told. These people that are in this space that don't know jack shit about it, they don't have imposter syndrome because they've been told, they've, they see, they've had this picture, they know, I'm, I can be here. I can fake the funk. I can be... I'm supposed to be here, whereas minorities, we've been told numerous times that we're nothing. We're less Correct. than, we're not competent, we can't do this. We have to work harder than any fucking body 
in the space to achieve the bare minimum where we see these the, the majority who are doing little to none like nothing and succeed and get all these accolades so i think it's really is what we've seen in the media and the interpretation of things of that nature which is really shitty um so going into four and five four is the soloist it says sufferers who feel as though asking for help with beers reveals their phonies as what young calls soloists it's okay to be independent but not to the extent that you refuse assistance so that you can prove your worth. <laughs> Me. And, going into five, and then going into five, I think I've been I'm all of these in one moment. The expert. Experts measure their competence based on what and how much they know or can do. Believing that they will never know enough, they fear being exposed as inexperienced or unacknowledgeable. Okay, and then it says, realize that there's no shame in asking for help when you need it. If you don't know how to do it, some, do something, ask a coworker. If you can't figure out how to solve a problem, seek advice from a supportive supervisor or somebody that you know. So I hate know. it. Bro, we got, first of all, we got to get uncomfortable. That's the thing. We got to get ourselves out of this mindset. It is I, so with me starting this new job, so I'm, I'm not completely in my 90 days like I'm not like I'm still within those 90 days those first 90 days and I have had to do a lot of these things and it has stressed me out mm. like I have only recently come to terms with the fact that like asking for help is going to be necessary because like I've never really done this type of work before but I'm really happy about it like the thing is like because I like what I do I feel motivated to ask because if I don't ask these questions and the yeah. people I'm supposed to be serving won't receive the services mm -hmm. so I feel like I'm having to confront these fears a lot more. And what I don't like about it, and but what is really revealing is that it makes me feel normal. Mm. It makes me feel like regular. <laughs> the, exactly, like a human being. And I think the things about like being a soloist or not ha asking for help or setting high expectations is we really do want to be these superhumans. We want... To, we believe we have to be these superheroes. We have to be these grand people in order to be seen as someone who's worthy of life, who's worthy of success, who's worthy of happiness. And we get disappointed when we find we can't be those things. And it's because those things are not real. Yeah. And if you really, if you really want to know evidence of that, one of my favorite people to look to for that is Beyonce watching all the things that she's accomplished and what she is to us. We have, re we have put her on a pedestal of being the superwoman, but she's a regular ass person who does amazing things because she goes for it, because she works for it, because she brings in her resources to make those things happen. But M Beyonce makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. Beyonce has messed up choreography before. She's she's out there. Before. She might forget the lyrics to her song. Like she's a person. So she yeah. makes these mistakes and she does not let that define her career. Or define her worth. She remembers that she's that bitch and she moves on. And I realize now, today, that like that's a part of what I have to take going forward is like allowing myself to make those mistakes and not just learning from it, because people say that all the time, but remembering that those things are necessary. Mistakes have to be made. Okay. If the mistakes aren't made, you will never get better. I love that. My, I've been in this, this space and this mindset of like, if you do not make mistakes, you will never know your flaws. You will never know your, you will never know what you need to work on. Oftentimes we see people that like, you know, in RuPaul Drag Race, I'm relating this, is like people are, you know, they become, they're high, they're low, or they're safe. 
But safe people, they don't get critiques. They don't, they, they, they just, they move, you know? And some people, they're really bothered by that. They're like, I want to know what I need to do to get it to the high. You know, I need to level up. I need to know, okay, your makeup game needs to be a little bit more improved. Next time, let's, you know, work on how to, you know, sit your waist. You know, I think we need that. But it's also being open and available to constructive criticism, too, as well. I think it's like not thinking mm. about be all. Um, and thinking that you're absolutely trash when it's like that's not what I'm saying at all. It's just um, in order to elevate, um, or in order from like, especially from like somebody that has like extensive knowledge or something. But I definitely think like um, being in a space where feedback is accepted and also just getting feedback, just you know what you need to work on. Like I always, I'm always thinking like if I've never, my boss had brought up this conversation of like, do you feel like people need competition? Do you think people, do you think that there needs to be, do you know, do you think that people will learn on their own eventually? Or do you think they learn because they have competition? And I'm like, you have to learn if you have competition. Because if you're at the top, you have nobody competing with you, you are obsolete to what you need to do to stay relevant. You have absolutely no mindset of what you need to work on because things change. You know, Madonna is the queen of that. You know, though, I have seen, I don't know, because I'm I've never been pro- competition before i saw something today a post of a guy who um mounts tvs mm-hmm. and apparently he saw someone who does it better than him mm-hmm. and he said instead of hating he offered the guy to he, he offered to pay the guy to That's teach him. Him. didn't know i think more than it being competition i think you have to really respect the people who are in your craft and be able and open to learning from them um, because i personally don't like what what competition breeds historically in this nation because people don't like healthy competition is fine i understand why right i'm not a competitive person though i like to acknowledge that people are talented and i'm i'm hoping to get into a space where i can instead of feeling like jealousy or complete competition just being like wow this person's really talented i want to improve myself maybe we can work together and then maybe if there is space for it to be a competitive field and we can do that in a healthy manner do that but right. I've never liked that. Like, I don't like the aggression that comes out of competition. I think yeah, people's interpretation, I'm more so healthy competition is the best, is when you have something that is pushing you to be better, not sabotaging somebody else to be better. That's what I'd be thinking of when but, I hear competition. I'd be like, people do some dirty shit for yeah, And I, I joke about that a lot. I'm a person that said, I'll do whatever I need to win. I will cut the fucking rope. I will throw some rocks on the ground. But in, real, but in reality, to be like all jokes aside, I'm someone that like, if you are good at something and I am not, I will ask for like, girl, how do you do that? You know, I think, for example, with you, I, we, the, about the Funimation, you know, we created the, a trailer, a theme. I didn't, I was like, bitch, how do we do that? I wasn't like, oh, girl, now I got to go set them up. I got to never give them no information. I got to never <laughs> ask them up. I think I was like, this is a skill that you're good at. And let me go to you. Like we have to realize we're not perfect. We don't we don't know everything. We're a jack. I'd rather be a a, a, a master in one than a, like you know a jack of all trades but a master of none. I'd rather know how to communicate and you be the vision, the you know the artist, and we work together. You create the picture and I'll talk about it. Right. You need to right. That's how you, you yeah. utilize your strengths. That's the other thing is we can't. I think people like us need to realize we cannot be good at everything. We really can't. You you just said it. Um. But, like, it, you utilize your strengths. 
and you accentuate them. Yeah. I didn't want to repeat the exact same thing you said. I, I know, you was like this. You, <laughs> no, I get it. I mean, I understand. But I know it's definitely, we need to, we need to be in that mindset of, you know, working as a unit instead of against each other. And somebody, yeah. it's, it's capitalism. You know, it's somebody, nobody, everybody, nobody can be, at, everybody can't be at the top. There has to be a food chain. Or a but I think hopefully, um, for the listeners, we did, uh, we, we spoke about a lot of things. We gave you all some tips and tricks um, about how to overcome um, imposter syndrome, what that looks like, what types they are, things of that nature, our experiences with it. Um, and like I said, I'm still coping. I'm still learning as I go, but I'm definitely um, starting to implement these things of, you know, trusting myself and believing in my own actions and knowing that my worth or what I'm putting my energy in is actually something that is, I'm getting value from. So I want you all to remember that if there is something that you are really passionate about or something that you're doing, you're feeling like, ah, it's not really working out in your head or something of that nature, really take a step back and look at, is it bringing joy to you? Is it something that you have extensive knowledge of? Is it something that you really are, you know, passionate about? And if it is, then you keep pushing and not let these obstacles or roadblocks really deter you or these people really deter you from that. So I wanted to like say that to close out um, just that conversation to wrap it up. Did you have anything um, you wanted to say to everyone slash David? No, I just, um, you know, I think we had a good conversation today. This is the first time I've talked about um, imposter syndrome on this level. So thank you for that. That was a good oh, conversation. Thank you. I'm glad we was able to be comfortable and vulnerable to speak about our own things with that. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, we're human. I have to keep thinking about I am. And it's okay to be human. <laughs> I wish I was. A, I wish I could be a robot. I just really wish I could turn off my phone. But that's neither here or there. I'm swearing. Um, but if you all would like to continue the conversation with us, or also you know chime in on our boys aren't blue, you can talk to us on our personal um, social medias. Uh, mine is underscore Lord Every on Instagram and Twitter. That is underscore L O R D E V E R Y. And my Instagram is Derwin King, and my Twitter is Free Negro. That's F R E E N E G R E A U X. And if you would like to talk to us on our podcast's information or social medias, you can hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at That Black Boy Joy. Or you can hit us up in our uh, in our Gmail at thatblackboyjoypodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to continue this conversation when we get this up, you can hit us up on our YouTube channel that will be titled Something of That Nature with That Black Boy Joy. <laughs> so nasty and so rude. So nasty. And why, what is, what's the thing she says? Oh, look at them. They, they talk about me and I'm not even in it. Oh, see, why am I in it? I ain't even there now. But like always, I want you all, what you all do, uh, be so in love with who you are and keep spreading, spreading that black boy joy magic. Bye.